We live inside a dream. They did a bad, bad thing. Hello, and welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates, uh, the only podcast about Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch with your two favorite, uh, what the hell was, with your two favorite (laughs) wimps who like Kubrick and Lynch. My name is Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. What up? What up, fans? Yo, Yo, dude. Uh, uh yeah be heard be sure to smash that subscribe button mm-hmm. um, like subscribe smash that subscribe please yeah 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 uh yeah so we're a stanley kubrick david lynch podcast uh we got a lot to talk about today so we're gonna dive right in real quick jeremy i was you know i like my conspiracy theories and i, yes. I think we, we were both we were both uh Kind of anticipating this this eyes wide shut episode as we know we did a very long two-part series on The Shining, mm. um, where I went into depth on the many conspiracy theories surrounding that movie. And I was kind of brushing up on the Eyes Wide Shut theories here in preparation for this episode, Jeremy. And, you know, I, I just decided that, uh, well, mainly because I procrastinated, uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do, I, we're, I, we're do a Lie Lie Land pretty soon, probably the next, within the next two weeks or so we'll we'll do we'll do a lie lie land where i go over the uh sort of the hidden meanings in in eyes wide shut how does that sound oh i love that it's like a little bonus a little bonus a, a, a little bonus and I love uh, it. You, you know that should be out before the end of the month if you're just uh, a new listener uh if you go to patreon.com slash eric and jeremy we have a uh a patreon where we do weekly bonus episodes uh, right now, through uh, the end of June, there is a pandemic special for $1. You get access to a bunch of the old episodes, as well as the new ones. Uh, that's going to end in July. So uh, if you want to if you want to check out the, the Patreon for $1 to see if you want to commit uh, longer term, now's the time to do it. And Jeremy, I mean, let's get right into it. What do you... Uh, have you, You've seen Eyes Wide Shut before, I'm assuming, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is a uh, this is a <laughs> this is a mainstay in the Doctor Schmidt household. Like we watch this film at Christmas time, Eric, with all the kids around the TV. They're all really? thinking, "Please, Uncle Jeremy, please show us eyes eyes wide shut again." And I'm like, "Not until you eat your dinner. Come on!" And then once everyone's eaten, we all we all gather around and we watch Eyes Wide Shut. And I actually. Instead of closing their eyes during the orgy scenes, I actually rewind those and watch those twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, strange stuff going over the, there at the Schmidt household. <laughs> at the you Dr. Know, Schmidt house. Don't, don't this forget. This technically a Christmas movie. It is. Yeah, it very much is. I, I love this film. I think this might be... Okay, so it's hard because like every Kubrick film I saw last is my favorite, you know? But this might be, this might be my favorite. But we'll we'll rank all these at the end. But I think right now, yeah. as I'm as I sit here and I talk to you, it's it's the one I'm most fond of. 
Yeah, that you know, this is my favorite with the caveat that my favorite will always be The Shining, but <laughs> if I had to pick another favorite it would be I love uh, that. It would be Eyes Wide Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. It's almost like not fair to have The Shining in there when you ask me what my favorite Kubrick movie is cuz it's like obviously I'm going to say The Shining. This but, has a uh, lot in common with The Shining actually, I, I yeah. think too. It's about a yes. family which is you know, it's very similar. It's sort of about you know the psychology of men and women in in their in their relationship so like beyond family it's about that it's also a very human story kind of like the shining is you know even though the shining has ghosts or whatever it's like still about humans and not about like the vietnam war or something you know a lot more broad <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it's like uh it, it's also i think both of them hinge around conspiracies themselves and it's probably why you take well so well to both of them, Eric, is because like you you like conspiracies, and The Shining and Ice White Shut are full of dang conspiracies. Yeah, I mean, just things that you can read into, you know, the things kind of like cryptic uh, sort of sort of things, like uh, you know, not straight up like horror. Like I don't even consider The Shining like there's certainly like horror elements to it, but it's not like a you know like a jump scare like fucking like uh you know as much as i love a like friday the 13th or something it's not mm. like that it's more uh psychological which which i enjoy you know the, the same thing goes on with david lynch and twin peaks and and you know that all of that stuff so do you uh, think that this film is the most david lynch of kubrick's filmography yeah i think so right i i think so I would, too i i would say I, maybe yeah. shining is another close second but or 2001 maybe but like the, yeah. this is this tonally feels most like lynch tonally and it's also more sexual like mm-hmm. there's a lot of sexuality in david lynch movies a lot of the female figure yeah right uh, yeah you know so as far as that goes but uh you know jeremy real quick before we dive in i was uh researching uh for a project that i'm working on a, uh, I, I have been researching um, secret societies oh, and cool. sort of the history. I'm starting in secret society. I love but, it. <laughs> but Can don't I anyone. be a part? How fucked up would it be if you didn't let me be a part of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm inviting like Brian and Dad wears glasses and <laughs> yeah. Drew and all, all our listeners. And only uh, I'm not allowed in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt J is like, the, <laughs> like my co-pilot, co-leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I was, I was reading sort of this book that gives an overview of some of the notable secret societies in history, and I get to the 1700s, my dude, and uh, I think this one's, like, fairly well-known, uh, but I didn't know about them. It's called the Hellfire Club. Yeah. Do you know about them? I think so. Is it? I think so. So they're based, they're in 1700s in London, and it's basically, you know, like any other secret society, like the, just a bunch of like the wealthy elite just want to like get drunk together and and have these like secret meetings or whatever. But what they did was they uh, they would get together and they'd have these big festivities where they would have prostitutes. So all these men uh, would, would hire these prostitutes and they would get dressed up in black robes with hoods. Mm. And they'd get wasted and just like have orgies, mm. and there were there were, there were also some sort of like satanic rituals and stuff like that. But I was like, "Damn, sounds familiar." <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds a lot like not just this film, but 
you know, our own, our very own real world society today. Yeah. If you consider like, uh, I don't know, some of that, some of that, uh, what's his name? Jeffrey uh, Epstein. Einstein. <laughs> Einstein. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was, uh, that I, th- was I never knew about them. So I thought that was like, uh, it, it's like very similar to, well, pretty similar to, to, to the sort of the, I guess, secret society depicted in this film. Uh, Gosh, what so, a, you know what, Eric? I, I just wanted to indulge me for a second here. Just the idea of starting something like that with your other rich friends. Like, how do you break the ice? Like, if I wanted to start one of those with you, I'd be, I would be like out at dinner. I'd be like, you know, if we get some black robes, we could kind of, I got this, I got an apartment in uh, downtown I'm renting. So no one's there. You know, like, how do you start? Yeah. How do you start forming it? Like, you have to admit that you are, a, you are one of 10 other very horny dudes already yeah that would be yeah. hard to do <laughs> like yeah. to get 10 yeah. uh, 10 10 of me and 10 10 other of my friends to get together and all admit we're horny and we want to have sex in front of each other <laughs> like that's like <laughs> that's that is an insane proposition i just i just i i'm always fascinated at how things like this get started right yeah well i you know the sex orgy is like it's sort of different it's sort of wild but or like the orgy like secret societies are kind of like i i get how they exist but you're right it's like how does that even like how do you even bring up the <laughs> the idea to someone yeah also you know it seems like from my research i've been doing a lot of these societies sort of stem from like uh forbidden uh like practices where like uh, like prohibition Right. Like the outlawing of alcohol has like started some some secret societies. Um, I could be totally wrong about this, but I believe the Freemasons started with the Stonemasons, who were basically like a labor union, like a yeah, long time ago. Yeah, I I I think I knew that. And and the uh, the Freemasons are weird because they're like a socially they seem to be like a socially acceptable secret yeah. society where it's not it's not actually that secret. Like I remember in my college town buildings had the Freemasons symbol on them. If they were built by the Freemasons. Yeah. Or or if they were, yeah. So it was like not really a secret. (laughs) So eyes wide shut directed, produced, co-written by Kubrick. It had been a while, I guess this is like what? Like 13 years. Is this the biggest gap in biggest gap? Yeah. Yep. 13 years he uh yeah he was he you know the uh, emilio who you know i told you that this emilio guy i keep bringing up his uh fucking assistant who sorry i was trying i'm I'm trying to uh i have his last name written down i should mention it but he kubrick's like a long time sort of personal assistant uh i i mentioned that he has a cameo in eyes wide shut and I, I want to give you one guess. What do you? Uh, he's he's he plays a very small role in Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, uh, is he? Is it a speaking part? It's not a speaking part. He interacts with Tom Cruise, though. <laughs> it, uh, hmm. Is it? Is it? Is he one of the guys? The Jean. Is he one of like the Russian guys? 
He's not. So Emilio de Alessandro is plays the uh, news the guy in the newspaper stand at night. You know, oh. you know, Tom Cruise is being followed, and he goes to like a newspaper stand. That's Emilio back there. That's that's Kubrick's like oh. fucking like favorite uh, like assistant guy who actually he 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 quit after Full Metal Jacket. And uh, you kind of get the sense that Kubrick was, like, lost without him. Mm-hmm. And this might be, like, you know, part an element to why it took Kubrick so long to, to make another film. But he, like, basically begged Emilio to come back and work for him for Eyes Wide Shut. And, and, he, and he did. So they, all, they got to work together again. And then, That's um, cool. you know, That's Kubrick cool. died. But, uh, did, did, yeah. Now, had, did, has Emilio said anything about the film eyes wide shut like the the final cut of the movie because i know that like in researching for this episode there's so much dispute over what is the final cut of eyes wide shut and is is the movie we're seeing the actual intended theatrical release by kubrick was there some weird maybe not foul play but some foul play maybe on the studio's part of of releasing it or getting it recut or anything like that has he said anything you know he's uh and sort of frustratingly but also i kind of like this about him is he couldn't have been less interested in kubrick's work he was oh. just like <laughs> a friend of kubrick and would like do whatever he said and like spent like hours with him but was not interested in film at all. Oh, and so funny. It, it wasn't until after he quit after Full Metal Jacket that he finally watched some of Kubrick's movies after working with him for like 20 years or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But I will say, you know, it, as, as far as the final cut goes, you know, they say that uh, they had to cut out some sex uh, scene stuff to get that R rating, and those were the only cuts that were made without Kubrick's uh, oversight. I don't buy it. I, 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 I honestly, I, I don't buy it. I actually, you know, I, and I am. Everyone that listens to this knows that I'm a bit of a crackpot, but I do buy into the fact that, like, into the theory that Kubrick was trying to say something about uh, Hollywood, Hollywood and, and yeah. the elite uh, with this film. I think it's like almost. To me, it's it's like pretty obvious, but it's also you know I don't know. A lot of people like don't watch movies that way or don't want to think about that kind of thing. And um, you know, there's also something to be said about uh, I guess you know just things have uh, coincidences and stuff. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the bonus episode, though. Cool. Uh, so based on a 1926 novella, uh, called Dream Story, that's a translation from Traum Novelle by Arthur Schnitzler, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, couldn't find it. Excuse you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have the Arthur Schnitzler with, uh, sauerkraut. Yeah, please, extra uh, mustard on my Schnitzler, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kubrick obtained the filming rights uh, in the 60s, considering uh, doing a uh, sort of a... Oh, yeah, it was supposed to be a sex comedy with a wild and somber streak running through it starring Steve Martin. That's what Kubrick had in mind? In the 60s, yeah. Oh, in the 60s, he did. And then he kind of like shelved it, obviously, for a long time. That's so Uh, funny. (laughs) 
Let's see. Jocelyn Pook. I forgot to look up what else she she did, but she original music from her in this, which uh, I fucking love the music. The so. score is amazing. Very, very good. Uh, yeah. Filmed mostly in the UK. Uh, although, you know, I've never been to New York City. I've been to London. I've spent some time in London. And just for based on seeing New York in movies and stuff, mm-hmm. I got to say the exterior is like, do not really look like New York. Not at all. No, they look like they look like okay. England. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's what it. What's cool about it though is that it gives you sort of this cognitive dissonance or something where you're being told something is New York, but there's like you know it's not from your with your eyes. So it actually just makes it feel like a fantasy world in a way. Like it does look like England when you're told it looks like England, but if you're not explicitly told that you you just feel like it's in a, it's in a made up world or something like the film does have, speaking of a dream story, it it has a dream like quality to it. I think every scene feels very dreamlike. Like, is this really happening? Kind of a vibe. So I, I actually think the exteriors help the, the overall vibe of the film but it is definitely not New York. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see here. Kubrick died six days after showing his final cut to Warner Brothers. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the bonus episode. Uh, you know, the Cruz and Kidman stuff is really interesting because they were both like, uh, you know, I, a lot of people would have would have loved to have worked with Kubrick and like it's it's just so interesting that like someone at of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's caliber like Mm. they uh they put a lot into the into the into this movie and uh Kubrick like toyed with their marriage basically yeah yeah yeah. uh so this is an example uh from I think this is from Wikipedia. Uh, in one painful example, for just one minute of final footage where Alice makes love to a handsome naval officer, uh, Kubrick demanded that Kidman shoot six days of naked sex scenes with a male model. Not only did he ask the pair to pose in over 50 erotic positions, he banned Cruz from the set and forbade Kidman to uh, assage her husband's tension by telling him what happened during the shoot. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, you don't do that unless you're there's like there's no like cinematic reason to 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 go to those extremes. Right. Like that's that's purely uh, uh, messing with the psyche of the of the two leads, which Mm, mm -hmm. sounds like they are. We're like, well, this is, I guess, what we signed up for kind of a thing. Like, it seems like they both had. um uh, positive experiences. I think, I well, guess. Tom Cruise sounds like he didn't have the most positive experience. Like he says that he didn't like playing Dr. Hartford. He says that he would have really regretted not doing it, but yeah, but I think Nicole Kidman had m- a more fun making the movie. Cause she, she says it's like her favorite experience working on a film. How like she said it was like attending film school. This is all, I'm all reading this from IMDb, but like I think that I also think Kubrick had Nicole's back in a way that maybe Tom Cruise felt left out in because you hear a lot of stories about Kubrick 
being very kind to Nicole Kidman and very encouraging. Like Nicole Kidman says that Kubrick talked her out of retirement. Like Kidman mm. was going to retire as an actor and focus on her family. And Kubrick was like, no, you owe it to your uh, talent to not stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas Tom Cruise, I, I haven't heard one story from Tom Cruise where he was like, and this impacted my life positively. <laughs> it was always like, <laughs> it was always like him being kind of drone, drone mad, uh, driven mad by like the, the sort of games and jealousy that was being played on on set but yeah it is more of the kubrick's uh fucking with his actors yeah classic classic um, kubrick <laughs> you know and uh you, let's see guinness book of world records for the longest constant movie shoot uh 400 days long the shoot was uh according to wikipedia Cruz and kidman spent so long living in the uk that during the shoot their children acquired english accents <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's not that great. I spent two weeks in London once and came back with an English accent. So I guess that's not there that you go. crazy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson made a visit to the set where he offered Tom Cruise the role of uh, Frank in Magnolia. Yeah, both these films released the same year. Isn't that crazy? Oh, really? Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut and Magnolia released the same year. Yeah. Like two of huh. Tom Cruise's best work ever pretty cool damn um yeah so i don't know is there any other like uh, sort of trivia you want to you want to get into before we not if, no i think we should totally though do a part two to this episode because it is there's so much extra stuff we could get in the weeds about and i'd love to do that there yes we'll do yeah we'll do you know we'll dedicate the uh the patreon uh fucking while i land episode to uh Conspiracy slash various production uh, uh, stuff. It'll be more a, a little bit more of the, more of that stuff for uh, for eyes wide shut. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Because I mean, we got to we we want to talk about the plot and we want to talk about the film as it stands. Be, but I mean, you could do so, you could do multiple episodes on everything surrounding the film. I mean, I mean. Oh yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say is this is Stanley Kubrick's last official film release as a director. He pa- he died. This the legend has it he died after basically completing this film, and um, I guess the going theory here is that uh, whoever the production company for Eyes Wide Shut, which is this is Warner, yeah, it's Warner Bros. They just took the last avid file <laughs> that that he had made <laughs> and just ran with that. So yeah, okay, yeah. Huh. Um, All right. Whether it was retampered with or whatever, we don't know. But it, uh, but it, I I could see this being the like I I you do have a, I, I like your point, Eric, where it's like I, this is probably Kubrick's cut because if a studio was eager to change something about the film, they would have changed a lot more <laughs> because there's still what's in here is still pretty damning if you're making a film about Hollywood sex rings so. yeah yeah that's true but there it is also kind of like uh, all right warner brothers yeah, yeah i'm not <laughs> sure i believe you yeah <laughs> like, yeah exactly <laughs> uh so uh dr bill and alice hartford live in new york with their daughter helena they attend a christmas party hosted by wealthy patient victor ziegler where Bill is reunited with Nick Nightingale, 
a medical <laughs> school dropout who now plays the piano professionally. Uh, an older Hungarian guest attempts to seduce Alice, uh, and two young models attempt to seduce Bill. He is interrupted by his host, who has been having sex with Mandy, a young woman who OD'd on a speedball. Mandy recovers with Bill's aid. So, yeah, how, uh, uh, Victor, uh, you, Victor Ziegler, played by the legendary Sidney Pollock. Oh yeah, is quite a performance by Sidney Pollock in this film. I mean. Uh, Anytime he's on screen, he's very magnetic. I think the film has a great intro. Oh, here's something I'll say. Eric, how did you watch the film? Do you own it? No, I got. I should have gotten the damn Blu-ray, but uh, no, I just I rented it. Okay, cool. Was it in uh, 16 by 9 widescreen or was it in 4 by 3 full screen? Was it in... I feel like it was in full screen. Yeah, so I I watched this on Showtime, on this the Showtime add-on to hulu that's where they have it streaming and there was a message before the film started that said this this uh film is being presented in full screen four by three aspect ratio just as stanley kubrick had intended and then the film played in like uh you know in not 16 by 9 widescreen anamorphic so i i I don't think i'd ever seen the film in full screen before and it was wild. <laughs> it was wild to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, you sh- apparently, I was also reading that Kubrick preferred his films composed all like uh, from The Shining on. He composed all of his films to be able to be shown in four by three because that was the aspect ratio of televisions at the time. So when his films would come to television, all the shots were already composed for the aspect ratio. So even though you would see these in widescreen at the theater, he, 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 it's not that he didn't care about the edges of the frame. He just, he drew, he literally drew lines on his little uh, lens that he would use to like compose shots with. So he knew where the edge of the television uh, frame was. Oh, interesting. So that's why this film looks so fucking good in four by three in full screen because it's perfectly composed for that aspect ratio. And I guess he also had a hand in crafting. Like when this, when these films would come to home video, he would like do the actual, like he, he had a big part in the, the, uh, what would you call that? The, um, the transfer from film to, to digital and or videotape. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Uh, I I guess I didn't like think of it as I was watching. But yeah, now look, that's interesting to know because uh, yeah, I mean that that is. I do think this is like probably the best looking Kubrick movie in my in in my opinion. Um, I, I it's just I love. I I mean I love the aesthetics of. Uh, also, it's the only Christmas Kubrick movie, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I like the actually, you know, it's Christmas in uh, Full Metal Jacket when they're singing Happy Birthday to Jesus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but that doesn't. It's not like they have a tree or anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so yeah, in this first scene, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's. I think this is set up like perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like we're at this party. We kind of, um, you know, we're 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 you know, Cruz is a doctor, but he's like clearly small, like just like a little ant compared to like some of the people at this party, especially Ziggler. 
Uh, and they're both kind of having their own little like flirtatious affairs. Uh, and we immediately jump into, you know, this like wealthy man was like about to have sex with, uh, I guess, I don't know what we're supposed to think of her. Like a young, yeah, a model maybe, but she, but it's at this party, which blows my mind that rich people would like invite guests over and then just go have sex in another room and then come back out. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I never noticed, like, even though, Eyes Wide Shut is very sexual. I never noticed until this viewing of it of how much of a porno it is. Like, you know how a porno uses like porn logic in their scenes? So it's like everything leads to sex eventually. Like, even though like that's not how real life is. (laughs) Yeah. That's how this movie operates where in almost every scene, Nicole Kidman or Tom Cruise are getting actively propositioned to have sex (laughs) yeah which is it's so funny that like if you watch this through the lens of like what if this was a porno it like it kind of operates in the same sort of dream porn logic where tom like tom cruise is like they're like two women or want to have a threesome with him right now (laughs) at the party like that's crazy like you know you know what i mean like who who does that happen to (laughs) even rich doctors i feel like you know, you have to be like, you have to seek that out. But nonetheless, Alice yeah. and Bill both get propositioned by different people at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the following evening, uh, while smoking marijuana, Alice and Bill discuss <laughs> their episodes on uh, unfulfilled temptation. Uh, Bill tells Alice he's not jealous of other men's attraction to her because he deems women naturally inclined to fidelity. She then discloses that during their vacation in Cape Cod, she encountered a naval officer and fantasized about him enough to consider leaving Bill and their daughter, Helena. Uh, Bill is disturbed by Alice's revelation before being called up to the house of a patient who just died. Yeah, so this Uh, might be the best scene in the film, I think. Yeah, this is is definitely, I think... I'd have to go back and watch through some of Nicole Kidman's filmography, but this might be like my favorite monologue she's ever given in a film. Like this is sort of, I don't know if she was nominated for this. I know she probably didn't. She definitely didn't win for eyes wide shut. I don't think this movie won any Academy awards, but she should have won for this. (laughs) Like this is uh, this might be like one of my favorite scenes in a film. I don't know. What do you think of the whole, the whole like uh, admission scene. Oh, it's great! It's it's like it's just perfectly uh, acted. It's 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 like it it it's really good. It's like it's also like I wonder if um, two actors who are you know because they're married at the time. I wonder if two actors who who weren't married could pull it off with like this in this way. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're both very like a very two very unique uh, actors to begin with, but the fact that they're married and then they're married in the film and they're having these uh, issues and Kubrick's fucking with them in real life. Like right. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot going on. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty, whatever Kubrick was doing worked. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's really good. Uh, so the patient's uh, distraught daughter unsuccessfully tries to seduce Bill uh, Bill leaves. He tries to engage a prostitute named Domino. I didn't uh, know her name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I didn't the whole I time. I don't. Th- I don't know if she says it. 
Yeah. Well, uh, there was that scene where he asked that moment where he asked what her name is, and she sings the song "Domino" by Van Morrison. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, 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 I was confused because yeah, they, I, there was that also that other scene where they ordered a pizza from Domino's. So then I was like, "Are you just saying her name is the pizza?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he asked her to sign a check and when she signed her name she just drew a, a domino right. on the <laughs> yeah. so Alice phones when they start kissing uh, prompting Bill to have a change of heart uh, he pays domino for the sexless encounter and meets Nick at a jazz club uh, Nick describes an engagement where he must play piano blindfolded in events featuring beautiful women Invi- invitees require a costume a mask and a password Bill goes to a costume shop, offers the owner a generous amount of money to rent a costume. Inside the shop, uh, Millich, the owner, is outraged when he catches his teenage daughter with two men. Um, so yeah, this yeah. is Lily Sobolewski, right? That's the... Is I was just about to look up who that actress was. She was in, like, House of Glass, I think. She, w- she had, like, a... I feel like her career um, went... Uh, didn't go very far, but she was like hot for a second. Like she had a, she kind of had a bl- a, gl- a blow up for a second, and then kind of it, it kind of died back down. Okay, yeah, Lily Sobieski is her name, and uh, yeah, she's she's still in stuff. Looks like she's still in stuff. So uh, I gotta put it to you, Eric. Imagine this is this is the situation. Your wife just gives you like the craziest news you've ever heard that she uh-huh. basically wanted to cheat on you and didn't. Then you go to, you know, a friend's house and they try to have sex with you while before, right before their, after their dad died, right before their fiance arrives. So you go out to get some air and then a prostitute <laughs> comes up to you and wants to have <laughs> sex with you. <laughs> and then you go, and then you leave to go meet up with like me at a bar. And I tell you about a sex uh, club <laughs> like like geez can uh tom cruise get a break from some sex for a minute <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's, mean, it's it's so like um again i just want to reiterate porno logic right where like everything in this film is like leading to sex it's all about sex every moment is dedicated to like propositioning tom cruise to have sex in some kind of way <laughs> yeah yeah it really is uh so Bill takes a taxi to the country mansion mentioned by Nick. Uh, he gives the password and discovers a sexual ritual taking place. Uh, one of the masked... I hate when you go to a party and there's a sexual ritual happening, by the I way. I know, especially if you didn't tell me and I'm all dressed up like uh, like Kermit the Frog or whatever. Like That was my Halloween costume. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. And when it's, you know, when they... Sometimes it like people get, you know, a little... Uh, you know, they, they, they get all up in your space. They get over towards the snack table and then you're like, mm-hmm. should I eat the artichoke dip? Is this like still good? If that guy yeah. did that thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, is this artichoke dip or is this just a bowl of cum? Like I, can yeah. someone explain to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's for eating and what's not? Man, if I had a nickel, uh, <laughs> one of the masked women warns him he is in terrible danger but is ushered uh, to a crowd, crowded room and unmasked by the master of ceremonies. 
the woman who had uh, tried to warn Bill intervenes and insists on redeeming him at an undisclosed personal cost. Uh, Bill is let off with a warning not to tell anyone about what happened. So this is like, I got to say, I've seen this movie uh, probably like six times or something at this point. And this scene, this whole like, when he goes to the party is like some of the most suspenseful shit I have ever seen in my life. Like even this last time I watched it, I was like, God damn, this still works. Like this is very, very well done. And I think mm. a lot of it is the music. Um, but I mean, just the way everyone looks, the masks and I don't know. It's, uh, how, how, how did you feel about watching, watching this part of the movie again? Oh, I mean, it's great, right? It, it's also shocking to me that how early a lot of this stuff happens. Like, I just, I guess I just yeah. remember it all happening later. I, it kind of blew my mind that there's so much more to the movie than this. Because yeah, when you think of yeah. Ice Wide Shut, you think of that, really. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, Bill arrives home guilty and confused. He finds Alice laughing in her sleep and awakens her. She tearfully explains she had a dream in which she was having sex with the naval officer and many other men and laughing at the idea of Bill witnessing the scene. <laughs> this is a great thing to hear from your wife. <laughs> I know. I would just <laughs> after, lie, I think. After a night of getting of striking out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting publicly shamed by all of your masked friends. Yeah, yeah I, I would have just lied if I was her. I mean, don't get me... Eric, I have dreams about that all the time. But when Jackie asked me, like, what I was dreaming about, I'm just like, oh, I was, like, watching a good comedy special in my sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next morning, Bill goes to Nick's hotel. The desk clerk explains that a bruised and frightened Nick checked out hours earlier, escorted by two dangerous-looking men. Bill returns the costume, but seems to have misplaced the mask and learns Millich is now pro- uh, procuring his daughter to the same men he performed citizen's arrest on the previous night. What does that mean, procuring? Yeah, I don't think that he necessarily did a citizen's arrest on them. I think he just <laughs> kicked them out. I think <laughs> the Wikipedia author here is taking some liberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's pimping his daughter is what he's doing. He's right. pimping his daughter out for sex. Yeah, and uh, oh, we should mention that the hotel clerk is played by Alan Cumming. Who is uh, yes? Who's also doing very. an American accent, which is very funny. Uh, yeah. Alan Cumming tells a great story about how he auditioned for Eyes Wide Shut, and he auditioned as an um, with his accent, you know, an American accent. And then afterwards, you know, he was chatting with Kubrick after the audition, and he, you know, put back on his British accent. And Kubrick was like, "Wait, what the hell? I thought you were an American. This is this is an <laughs> American part." And he goes, "Well, Stanley, I'm an actor." <laughs> <laughs> and, I heard he uh, got cast based on his last name. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, Bill heads to Domino's. Apparently. <laughs> Bill, Bill heads to Domino's apartment. Apparently decided to uh, consummate his affair. However, he's greeted by a woman who claims she is Domino's roommate. Tells Bill that Domino isn't home uh, and that he she's HIV positive. So I was wondering about this. Does. Can you get HIV from kissing because i think he kissed her right oh no you can't no you he's not he doesn't oh, okay. have a, hiv okay i i don't know i was wondering if 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 you can get hiv from i from kissing. D- i do not think so i think that the what is the weird like sort of 
the I, you'd have to have like a cut in your mouth to both of you and exchange blood or something. Yeah. Um, Wait. Yeah. Well, how do you how do you do kissing? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you don't true. Do that yeah. part. We become. I say, let's become blood brothers, and then I cut my mouth open and I kiss my <laughs> my uh, my sweetie. Um, <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, I don't think that I don't know if this is supposed to imply that he now maybe has HIV, but I think yeah, it's I like know. we're supposed to feel like the paranoia of like, wait, what is going on? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> she found out she has HIV. Like, I guess it also is like the dodged the bullet moment for Bill mm. too, because they almost slept together. I guess is another layer yeah. to that scene. Yeah. But it, it is contributing to the sort of weird cover up that seems to be going on where Nick is been taken away by two dangerous men. And, uh, you know, for some reason, Milich is now pimping out his daughter. And now this woman is saying that Domino is never going to come back. She has HIV. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just feeling like something's amiss. Something's going on. Yeah. Um, so having left the apartment, Bill sees the news about a beauty queen's death from an overdose, goes to the morgue and identifies her as Mandy. Uh, by the way, I did not know doctors could just walk around and just enter any facility by holding, showing their medical license. <laughs> I did not know that that was, that was a thing. <laughs> I don't I mean, know I guess you it, could get into it, a morgue, but yeah. Because what I'm, yeah, I mean, who knows? But a hotel or something like, right? Yeah. Excuse me. No, I, I'm a, I'm a doctor. Yeah, you just like walk yeah. in, like. Uh, so Mandy is the woman from the beginning, right? Who was OD? She is, and yes. that's, the, and we're supposed to believe that was the woman behind the mask at the party. Yes. Okay. Um, he is then summoned by Ziegler, who reveals he was a guest in the orgy, and identified Bill through his connection with Nick. This is a very conversational film. Yes. Which um, I, I definitely like that about I it. like it a lot, too. And it's like uh, kind of like not necessarily what we get from a, from a Kubrick movie. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on a second. I had a fun fact. Oh, yeah. So the uh, 13 and a half minute billiard room scene between Tom Cruise and Sidney Pollack uh, took about three weeks of filming and nearly 200 takes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, like, all sorts of things about, like, the balls on the table, too, are always, like, in different spots or whatever. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, this is another one of those, like, Kubrick continuity things where he's trying to disorient you by, like, changing the dynamic of the location. Like, he did that in Clockwork uh. Orange where he, like, switches out the food on the table and, like, puts different levels of wine in their cups between, like, cuts and stuff. I see. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people do that kind of thing on accident. Right. I, I was going to say, like, <laughs> every time I've heard stories about that, I'm always like, hmm, are we sure he did that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Ziegler claims the secret society's warnings are only intended to scare Bill from speaking out about the orgy. However, he implies the society is capable of acting on their threats. Bill asks about Nick's disappearance and Mandy's death, correctly identifying her as the masked orgy participant. Uh, Ziegler insists that Nick is safely back home in Seattle and the punishment was part of the same charade of intimidation and had nothing to do with Mandy's death. 
He also says Mandy was a hooker and an addict who had died uh, from another accidental drug overdose. Bill does not know whether Ziegler is telling the truth about Nick's whereabouts or Mandy's death. Mm-hmm. So uh, Bill goes home, gets a great night's sleep, and <laughs> that's the end of the film. No, yeah. he gets home, finds the mask on the pillow. Now let me ask you, Jeremy. I think this is open to interpretation. What do you believe? Do you think that the mask was put there by uh, Nicole Kidman, or do you think it was put there by someone else? I think it was put there by Nicole Kidman. What do you think? See, I think it was put there by uh, someone from the uh, Mm. secret, you know, Mm -hmm. group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but why would they want him to tell his wife? Like, why well, would they want to expose themselves? I don't know if that's necessarily what they would want, but uh, I see it as, as like a threat. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, we know where you live. We got into your house mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I, I always thought Nicole Kidman was part of the sex cult thing in some sort oh. of way. Like, that was one of my interpretations, especially after I watched it this time. I was like, maybe Nicole Kidman is in a weird way part of this. Like... It kind of feels in a way like Tom Cruise is the only one not a part of it, right? Yeah, you could be right. I don't I mean, I don't yeah. know. There's nothing in the film to say one way or the other, but I think that it either interpretation is fun, I think. Yeah. Um yeah, I guess we don't really know what Nicole Kidman was doing like during the party. Well, before before he goes over there, when he's with the prostitute, she's like eating Oreos and mm-hmm. she's like, "I'm gonna go to bed or something but right she could be lying yeah, yeah she uh, yeah or she just could not be there right then but part of it in another way you know what i mean because yeah, like yeah yeah this this whole film kind of w- acts as like some sort of big punishment for tom cruise right like yeah, yeah. it's like everyone's sort of in on the punishment or something <laughs> like like you know what i mean where it starts in a place and then he goes off on a little adventure where he's basically like spanked you know and then comes comes home to his wife where the mask is it's almost like she's saying like see this is why you don't fuck with me or something i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah um so upon uh he breaks down in tears and tells alice the whole truth of the past two days the next morning they go christmas shopping with helena who wanders near two old men who had been uh been first seen at ziegler's party Unconcerned with their child, uh, Bill apologizes to Alice, and Alice muses that they should be grateful that their marriage and uh, mutual love survived. Yeah, and then they, she says the greatest last line of any film ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, uh, me so horny. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah. Ron Kubrick movie. Yeah, Damn she it. repeats she repeats uh, <laughs> the line from the prostitute in Full Metal Jacket, and then the film yeah. closes. Yeah. Paint it black plays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's 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 a really powerful end close to the film. Uh, this film, more than any other film, Eric, I really want to know your your feelings on not just what, how you felt about it from watching it, but what do you think it means? Like, not so much like I I think not so much like the secret society stuff and it being a comment on like Hollywood elitism, but like. What do you think the fi- like the film with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman like what do you think all that stuff means? 
Um, yeah, I think it means, I think, uh, hmm. Like, what's the message here? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a good question. I mean, my interpretation is, like, uh, this is a movie about, uh, I got class and sex, basically, and, um, sort of the... And power, I guess. Power. Because we see, you know, Tom Cruise's character is a doctor. He's, like, wealthy. Uh, I was reading about how, like, people were talking about how this specific, the place where they live in New York and, you know, their apartment would be, like, even, like, a doctor like Tom Cruise couldn't afford to, like, live in that place. Um, Like, he's, uh, so, like, Ziegler's character is just, like, an incredibly wealthy Mm. person. Um, and you know, Cruz is, is like a guy who can get away with a lot of stuff. He's a doctor and he, he's got like a pretty cushy life, but there's also this like sort of higher level of, uh, of, uh, 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 uh wealth. Like it, it just keeps going. And once you reach a certain point, I guess you, you have a lot of, a lot of freedoms and you can get away with a lot of shit. And I think what we're seeing with Tom Cruise's character is like he's not at that level at all, but he's he gets to like sort of peek behind the curtain and see what it's like, and he wants to he wants to learn more about it. And he's because of his like wealth and his position, is able to was able to even get into this party in the first place. But he's not on their level at all. Um, but his sort of like uh, he sort of has this like desire to like. Uh, I guess pursue like what uh, what they're doing, which is these like weird like sex parties with like mm. prostitutes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's um, you know that's not a great answer, uh, and I'll have a better answer for you when we in our in our uh, Patreon episode. But I do think that this you know I think the hidden meaning is 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 uh, you know that there are there are these um, uh, sort of sex. Uh, rituals with the with the with the elite and and there's there's uh, uh, sex and power are kind of like intertwined and and there are these sort of like secret uh, you know societies and and whatnot and we could talk about all that later but uh, yeah I think this I think just like uh, you know just more of a, a basic level this is like about this movie is about class I think I I actually think it's more about class than sex or maybe it's just about both equally i don't know mm. but yeah i don't know what do you what do you think this movie is about i, I honestly this is i don't know i i think I, I think you're absolutely right it's about class and sex and you're absolutely right it is about elitism specifically and i think that that would track if it was about like hollywood elites right or hollywood sex parties i mean we know these things exist people have been busted or getting busted constantly for having underage orgies Brian Singer style in the Hollywood Hills, in the desert, wherever. I think that that's, yeah, it's clear that it's about that. But it is a when you're looking at just the relationship between Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, like what is their story about? Like what's the message or meaning of their story? You know what I mean? Where it's like a, a husband and wife and the wife give, you know, throws a bombshell at her husband then the husband goes and makes a bunch of mistakes and returns home to the wife who accepts him lovingly back into her arms and her whole take of the entire journey they have is boils down to why don't we just go home and and fuck (laughs) yeah yeah it's almost like a saying like 
at the end of the day, we can't really focus on these bigger things that we can't control or something like we need, like at the end, like life is life can be boiled down to its very basic elements or something like let's just do what we can, which is fuck each other because we're, you know, animals or whatever. Like we're like, we're human. Like there's nothing we can do. Like there's nothing you can do. It's already been done. Let's just go. Let's forgive each, let's forgive and forget. I don't know. You know, there's something about that I think might be happening here where I wonder, but I just wonder like what is going through Kubrick's mind as he's, as he's making the, you know, this film, like, is he yeah. with, with this couple? Is he, is it sort of a comment on marriage itself, you know? And like how marriage can sometimes feel conspiratorial or you can feel alone, even though you're with someone or you never really know your partner, you know, you're always learning something crazy and new about your partner. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still the two of you and you still love each other or something. You know, there's something like, uh, there's something like that, I think going on, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I still don't know. It's never, it's never fully. Um, it's always been aloof to me, like how the Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise story connects with the, the other part of the story. It's weird because the conspiracy stuff almost makes more sense to me. It almost fits, sits better with me. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I get it. It's like, elitism or you know a thriller or something you know it's uh yeah conspiracy but the but the nicole kidman stuff i'm like is it about love <laughs> you know i'm like i don't know uh but yeah no i loved it every time i see this movie i i i, I notice new things about it um which i shared already I, I i just think it's a brilliant piece of art and it's i i really do hope that this is kubrick's cut and that this is not studio tampered because I want to believe that Kubrick made this and I want to believe, I mean, he definitely made it, but you know, like this version of it that we're seeing, I want to believe that, that, you know, this was his last little love letter to cinema before signing off because it's so damn good. (laughs) Yeah. It's really good. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, he, he, he was thinking about making this movie since the sixties and, you know, at that time it sounds like he just wanted to make, you know, obviously like we talked about like a sex comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think there, I think there's both. I think there's, there's that element to it. And then, and then sort of this, uh, secret society element to it. And, uh, you know, to be clear, I don't think that like the orgy part is, is like what's wrong. Uh, I think what's, what's like not even necessarily wrong, uh, but just like maybe concerning is like the sort of ritual aspect of it. Like when you, when he shows up to the party and like all of these women are like kneeling down and this like masked man is like hitting a cane on the ground and they're all like pairing off. And then of course at the end, uh, you know, when they're telling this like intruder to like remove his clothes. And then this woman like basically like slaps his wiener. (laughs) Yeah. Slaps his wiener. And then like (laughs) volunteers to like take his die. Yeah. Yeah. And like die. Yeah. Like that, 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 like that stuff is, is what's concerning. And I think, uh, you know, that stuff's maybe, uh, I don't know. Well, so we'll, we'll talk more about all that stuff in the, uh, Lila land coming up. If you're not on, 
our Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. And uh, join us over there. The, the water's fine. Um, we're doing Tales from the Crypt episodes. We're talking about 90s comedy movies. We're going to do an episode on One Cut of the Dead, which is a Japanese uh, zombie comedy film. And uh, yeah, so uh, Jeremy, anything you want to say before we sign off? No, no, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> all <right. laughs> okay, uh, so with that, normal. <laughs> I'll see you in my dreams. Thank you.